0: Welcome back, everybody. Another episode of Subject to Change is here, and that is my corny intro. I'm joined today by not Overtime Tom. So if you're missing Overtime Tom, I'm sorry. You're going to have to go a week without him. We brought in Rick Carter, Dustin McGuire, and Dan Poneman. They're all going to tell you who they are right now. And this whole podcast is an open conversation about name, image, and likeness, the hot button topic right now. Uh, Rick, you want to you wanna jump in, go introduction first? Yeah, sure. Rick Carter, uh, former Division One college assistant, Kind
1: of here just to represent the NCAA and then the college coaches side of you.
2: Justin McGuire. I'm a sports law attorney in southern Illinois just outside of St. Louis, Missouri. Played college basketball at St. Louis University and transferred to Northern Kentucky University. Uh, was a graduate assistant coach through law school and uh, I'm the founder of NameImageLikeness.com providing legal and compliance services to college athletes.
3: I'm Daniel Poneman. Uh, co-founder at Beyond Athlete Management, uh, NBA and NFL agency based in Chicago and Los Angeles. And uh, I'm also an NBA agent, NBPA certified for five years.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you guys taking time out today. Uh, Dustin, let's start, start with you because uh, my biggest thing with this podcast was let's do a specific episode uh, about name, image and likeness, which is, as you said, your area of expertise. Because so many athletes are posting stuff on social medias, they're saying stuff about Supreme Court. Um, you know, they're they're all over this like July 1st date, right? That's kind of the thing. Is that like from your knowledge right now, is July 1st, what does that mean? Is it a couple states? Is it nationwide? Is it NCAA? What does that kind of look like from from what you know?
2: So six states have name image likeness laws going into effect on on July one that I'm aware of. Um, There are a couple others that have um, the the freedom given to the schools to essentially begin name, image, likeness activities at their discretion. So the way I view it, there are eight states that have name, image, likeness opportunities coming available um, here within eight or nine days. Um, Jordan, you mentioned the, the Supreme Court case, the Alston decision just came out this week. It's been getting a ton of national attention. Um, That case is not directly related to name image likeness, but it it definitely falls under the umbrella of benefits that are conferred to athletes. And the Austin decision is specific to education related benefits. So um, paid post eligibility internships, um, graduate school tuition, uh, just to name a couple um, coming from the Austin decision, um, those um, education related benefits will be expanded. And, And in my view, uh, the value of a scholarship has just absolutely skyrocketed. So really looking forward to to helping athletes with their education related benefits. And we'll have a, a special emphasis at my firm uh, with regard to the, the benefits that will be received after eligibility has expired.
1: Can you got- give me some real quick? I, I actually have a question for that. Can you give me some examples of what that entails? Because like when I hear like educated related benefits, like I have, to be honest, I was a coach. I worked on college campuses. I have no idea what that means.
2: Like, what does that entail? Sure. So I mentioned the, the big two um, paid post eligibility internship. So um, a high school kid that's getting recruited, um, if I've got school one who's saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to guarantee you four years of a scholarship. And in years five and six, we're going to set you up with an internship in the athletic department. Um, and and you're going to be paid to do that. So that would be the offer from school one. School two might just say, "Hey, we'll give you four years." Obviously, that that option from school one is more attractive. So it it directly relates to recruiting, as everything um, in in the NCAA does. It it, it it you know begs the question of, okay, how does this affect recruiting? And and with the Austin decision, um, it, it doesn't seem as if the, the um, NCA is going to have anything to do with those specific benefits it's going to be yes. left up to the individual schools and conferences, which means it's going to be uh, a free market essentially for the, for the athletes to have different al- uh, offers, as I'm mentioning here.
1: Can they do offers with like donors and boosters? So like, for instance, Michigan State, Matt Ishbia, he just donated a ton of money to men's basketball, Michigan State University, $32 million, right? He owns United Shores Mortgage. Can they guarantee that athlete an internship with him Or does it have to be within the universe? Because to me, that's a huge deal, right? Like, because now you could guarantee things with certain companies or people that would help both parties in a huge, huge way.
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. And and Rick, I, you know, to be honest, I I don't know exactly how that's gonna play out. It it doesn't seem to me that the the schools would have the ability to make such a commitment on behalf of a, a third party. And if you're getting a scholarship, right, your grant aid, I don't know how that could, you know, reference a third party and then legally bind them to hire you. So it's going to get interesting with the details. And and I think that question that you pose is a very important one because how do you know, right? If we're talking about five, six years out, how do I guarantee that and have it in a document that, yes, I do, in fact, have a paid internship five years from now?
1: Daniel, yeah, you're going to love this. But this is what coaches do all the time, right? We guarantee someone's going to start or we say whatever to get when we're recruiting. It's why the transfer portal is what it is. Like it's out of control because they get lied to. So now at the end of the day, you're just adding one more piece to that. You see what I'm saying? Like that's where like this whole thing is so crazy. I firmly believe the NCAA has zero clue, zero clue how to handle the situation. Like they're like, they're like totally lost as they probably should be.
3: Yeah. I mean, on top of that, I've I've been talking to a number of college coaches recently who've said they're you know, in states that have and I, those six to eight states that have NIL laws passing, they're using that to recruit. They're, they're promising kids six figures in NIL revenue. They don't, not a single coach I've talked to, the coaches are asking me, how does this stuff work? Uh, you know, what are we allowed to do, not do? But regardless of not understanding the rules, they are certainly promising kids in the transfer portal, high school kids, all this, all this money they're gonna make on NIL. And now, now we're talking about an internship uh, in 2030 it's, it's Talking about
0: recruiting. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's that's unbelievable. Like just the fact that you know that they would start to to promise things when uh, the majority of coaches, depending on their age, no slight to anybody, don't even understand how a TikTok, they don't know what a TikTok is or a YouTube is or any of these monetizations that are possibly gonna you know come through the and down the pipeline. But Dan, how does this change your life as a as a NCAA certified? agent does it you know what what does that look like and how much talk do you have right now with ncaa
3: yeah well i mean it's interesting so again we the the ncaa just started certifying agents two years ago so for a while mba and you know nba agents and the ncaa was two completely separate things and the ncaa started certifying agents two years ago completely unrelated to nil for us it was players who wanted to test the draft waters and, and sign with an agent to advise them for test, you know, testing the draft waters I means working out with teams when the combine, getting feedback from teams, then go back to school. They have the option to sign with the NCAA certified agent. So our agency got, got certified. And now there's going to be this new layer of it, of which agents are allowed to uh, do deals with, with college players, as far as, you know, bringing them endorsement deals, and you know, w- whatever else it is, helping them with their recruitment, whatever we're allowed to do, it's not clear what we're allowed to do yet, but there's three layers of certification right now. There's, the mbpa and the nflpa certification the ncaa certification which right now just pertains to players testing the waters and then state certifications every state we recruit in we have to pay a fee and register in that state so i guess my advice to players because right now it's kind of going to be this first year a little bit of the wild west no one knows what the hell's going on except for maybe dustin i'm thrilled dustin's on this call because i was doing my like you know, reading up on, 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 on the different stuff before this uh, call. And, 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 you know, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm thrilled Dustin's here, but, but yeah, I would give, advice. I would give to players would be, you don't really know who you can trust, but the three things you can check are, are they NBA and or NBPA and NFLPA certified? Are they NCAA certified? And are they registered in your state? Which is probably going to be a really key one for this NIL stuff. The States don't mess around with cert, you know, non-certified, uh, non-registered agents.
0: So you're talking specifically the, the agency, because there will be that. That was a worry right when I saw this. So you, you have kids on Instagram. Uh, and I say kids, I mean, these are my peers. Uh, I got guys on Instagram, girls on Instagram, posting stories that say something along the lines of July 1, this NIL bill passes. Uh, let me know if you want to use my Instagram or socials uh, or do brand deals. My DMs are open. I'm like, that just like you should be able to read that and be like, this doesn't sound like this is the NCAA. This doesn't sound like it aligns with how official this is really going to look.
3: Yeah, it's funny. I saw that post that was going around. It was like white text on a black background. Everyone was copying. Yes. Like, first off, it's funny because there was like a typo I think in that, and like everyone <laughs> sharing the same the same screen. And I saw one of my clients who's testing the waters posted. I'm like, bro, take that down. Like, first off, no. If you're gonna if you're college students, if you're gonna do deals have some type of advisor who knows what they're doing. It's the same thing as like, um, you know, if a a player was going to the NBA or going overseas and said, you know, hey, teams, hit my DMs, Uh, you know, I'm open for business. Like, no, you get an agent, you get an advisor, someone who knows what they're doing to to, to help you. Another thing that's going to happen, I guarantee, players are going to start taking deals. They're going to start making money. They're going to not understand how taxes work. We're going to see- we're gonna see college players end up getting tracked, you know, chased down by the IRS because they brought in six figures of revenue and didn't know that they, you know, had to pay taxes on it. Because they're not, it's not like when you work at McDonald's, and they withhold your tax money. It's a 1099. You have to, you have to pay your taxes at the end of the year. So there's a lot of complications with guys just, you know, saying, "Hey, hit my DMs. I'm open for business." I, and honestly, college players, especially for these first few years, even if you're using an agent, run all your deals through the compliance department at your school. Make right. sure when you get a deal, whether it's to an agent, an advisor, whoever, just check with the compliance department that it's cool. Cause the last thing you want is to lose your eligibility because you didn't understand the rules. And
2: supposedly and that's mandatory, right? Like
1: they have to do that. They have to go through compliance.
2: to get yeah, As far as the disclosure and reporting to the institution, that, that's a huge part of it. And I think that's uh, really a, a major reason why individual representation is going to be so critical. I'm, I'm really excited to see all the NIL programs that are coming around. To the different schools, but I I think when you get into the issue of a a potential conflicting contract, um, you know, coupled with that requirement to disclose to university, Jordan, I saw UNLV has like 85 sponsors or something like that. So it's it's hard to imagine an area where where there could be an endorsement or any money making opportunity where there's not a potential conflict, right? Right. And if that's just a, a a dead end right? Oh, sorry, your, your NIL deals conflict, you know, it, it's conflicting with the, the university's contract. If that's a dead end, then, then, you know, it's not worth anything. There has to be some sort of analyzing and problem solving and working through potential conflicts to make sure that there is not in fact a conflict. So the NIL deal can go through for the athlete's financial benefit.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's a, that's a really good point. I, and that's what I worried about as soon as I saw this Really, the Instagram story was the first reason I'm like, okay, look, like people need to hear this conversation so we can protect guys who are way too damn talented to end up being audited at halftime in March Madness. You don't want to, you know, get pulled off the court because you messed up your taxes. So I think this is is important. But let's get to the juicy stuff, which I think all athletes want to know. And Dustin, I know there there might not be definitive answers for a lot of this, but in this bill, in the bill that's supposedly, I mean. I have to imagine there's specifics because we are uh, now a week away, a a day over a week from uh, July 1. What does the specifics look like in terms of what an athlete can do once this name, image and likeness bill passes? And let's let's just say for the eight states that are going to have the most freedoms, because that's what I'm kind of picking up is there's some states with certain freedoms and then some states where there's like no bills passed. Am I right by saying that?
2: That's correct. My understanding as of today, there are 18 states that have passed NIL laws, um, different effective days. I want to say Nevada's is January 1 of 22, right? So you guys correct. are still, yep. still six months out, which is, is interesting. My personal opinion is all this state by state discussion and, and analyzing what's allowed in, in what given state, I think it's going to all not mean a whole lot. My understanding is, is the NCA is going to try to pass some sort of temporary rule that would allow for um, all athletes to have NIL opportunities and, um, you know, given the history with the NCA, I think there's, there's, you know, a lot of concern that um, it's not going to go as far as, as what some of the states have, have already allowed. So um, I, I really think that that conflicting contract issue is at the heart of this because, you know, Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, Gatorade, Powerade, um, those of us who pay attention to sports and sports business know that, you know, there are certain brands and certain categories that you see a lot of. And the athletic departments have had decades of building their, their sponsors and have relationships. So the exclusive tire of, of whatever team, you know, you always hear that, um, you know, it, it's about exclusive rights. So, you know, from an attorney standpoint, I think that that really is at the heart of NIL um, with regard to what does this actually mean for the athletes what opportunities will will there be and you know what what problem solving is going to 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 be there for the athletes benefit to make sure that hey a potential conflict doesn't mean the deal doesn't get done maybe i'm not wearing my adidas shoes on the court but i'm still free to do the social media ad
0: right so yeah let, let's start there let's start there dan did you have something go ahead jump on
3: I was just going to add to that. Like, yeah, I think it, hopefully the NCAA, you know, passes some type of temporary rule because if, if, if really just these few states have this massive advantage over these, like California, I think, is one of those 18 states, but they're not till like 2023. So if you have right. Texas and Arizona, guys can make money and California can't. That's the end of the Pac-12. Pac-12 football, basketball is going go down the drain because those guys can't make money. NCAA is going to have to do something that you – Level of the playing field, or else it's going to be a huge shift in in power. Um, and to add to that, um, you know, yeah, there's obviously the big brands. There's like you know, I mentioned 85 sponsors, UNLV. There's these big brands, and the big, you know, the Zion Williams's, the Kate Cunningham's are going to be getting Nike deals and Gatorade deals. But I, I predict, and I think most people think the majority of these deals are going to be micro deals, it's not going to be macro deals, it's going to be right. the the, you know, uh, basketball player at South Dakota with 15,000 followers is going to get $900 to post about a promotion at the local Buffalo Wild Wings. It's going to be guys making, you know, guys and girls making, you know, $10,000 to $50,000 a year. If, if college athletes, if you're not a superstar and you think you're going to make hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, that's not, that's not the case. There aren't, there aren't big companies. Nike's not going to be lining up to pay $10,000 a post for, the, the fourth best player at a SEC basketball program, but there are going to be local deals. Um, and there's going to be opportunities to make money from autograph signings. There's going to be opportunities to make money from appearances and things like that. Even if there are, you're explaining Dustin conflicts with the brands and the team sponsors. And also you, there's going to be conflicts with using the school trademarks. I'm still not totally clear on this Dustin where it's like, uh, I don't think guys aren't going to be able to be in advertisements that, that use I'm sure Dustin, you can expand on this that use, Uh, School trademark, so like I can't um, post an ad on my Instagram with a UNLV logo. I can do my picture, but not with the logo. So there are these limitations, but there's still going to be a lot of money to made on be made on the local micro level.
0: Yeah, I think I think that brings up a good point. Me and Rick were talking about it earlier this week. I mean, like you're saying, like let's let's talk about what this really looks like. I know, like everybody's ears perk up as soon as it's like name, image, and likeness is going to pass. And you know, 13 guys on you know 500 different teams or more. Or more. How many teams are in the NCAA? Uh, all assume that okay, this 3, just 348. 348. Okay, not 500. Okay, there, all these you know, top to bottom are thinking I'm gonna make stupid amount of money. And but they, we were talking about this earlier, Rick, about the the three things that you have to give up. You have social. You have you have your your athletic, and then you have your academic. And there's trade-offs. You don't get to if. Name, image, and likeness becomes something. Something's got to give, you know? Yeah. Well, first
1: and foremost, the one thing I think everyone on this call and out there needs to understand is that if Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour, if you really think that kids are going to be able to do deals with other brands and then still play at those schools, it just can't happen because the athletic departments can survive, right? Like, they but, essentially are, Daniel. What about are, off Daniel, the court? off the court, you can wear whatever you want because you're not allowed to be trademarked. Like, you can't be off the court in Yeezys and have UNLV on right they've already eliminated that so you can be off the court wearing Yeezys is whatever you want so 100 they could the reason i say that because dana you made up a point where you're saying nike's not going to come and give ten thousand dollars to like an olympic sport athlete or something like that well they already do because they give all this free gear to them right now right and like that expense in its own right would completely bankrupt an athletic department if they had to go out and buy all that stuff so like there's going to have to be concessions where like if you're nike like
0: on the court you're wearing nike like you're not going to go put on
1: a pair of Pumas or something like that, but off the court, it's totally
0: different. That, okay. Yeah. I think that's a pretty, that's a pretty straightforward thing. Like I go to UNLV, we are a Nike school. I can't, you know, sign with Puma under armor and wear that on court, but I'm wondering Dustin, if there's any, you know, information on what if it's an off the court deal, because I know like specifically uh, Kelly Ubre was a converse, but he was off court. I don't know if he still is or not, but I remember it specifically being off court. Is that talked about or not?
2: So my understanding is is only New Mexico has their state law with, with the ability for the athletes to, to wear whatever gear they want. So I, I want to say New Mexico has gone the farthest. And I'm not a New Mexico attorney. I'm only licensed in the state of Illinois. Um, but, you know, I, I think other than New Mexico across the board, it, it's, you know, exactly what we're talking about. If you're engaged in team activities is the language of most of the state laws. So that, that includes, you know, anything practice. Uh, games, obviously, anything where you're travel. representing the university, travel being a big one, um, you're not going to be able to to rock your own, you know, sponsored gear. And, and you know, you're also not going to be, you know, to Dan's point, able to use the marks of the school. The intellectual property of the schools is incredibly valuable to them. Um, I think, you know, eventually we'll get there. And, and I, th- I think, you know, the schools will soon realize that, hey, you know, it will benefit them to, to work with the athletes. Um, And, you know, I'm not going to get into the the spiel of the video games, but that's a good example, you know, where um, the the school's brand will benefit through the exposure that the athletes will bring.
1: If you have a big enough project, like let's say you're going to do a YouTube show with your roommates, why shouldn't you be able to license the logo of the university that you're at? You just pay them for it. That's that's how business works. Right. Like at the end of the day, you say, okay, we're going to license that logo and be able to use it. And they do a deal with you just like they do with other sponsors.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm sure that that, I mean, I'm not sure. I, I mean, it's likely that that will be possible, but yeah, how many college kids are going to Zero. represent? Zero. If
0: I'm, doing, if I'm doing a YouTube video out there and I have the choice between wearing, you know, this t-shirt from Overtime, shameless plug, or a UNLV shirt, no offense to my school, but if I have to pay for one and don't have to pay for the other, I'm not wearing UNLV. But Jordan, why is that? That's because Overtime
1: has a bigger following worldwide, right? So it's worth it financially. But if it's worth it financially to actually pay the licensing fee to wear the Michigan state logo, then that's what you do. It's called business. And it goes back to the point that you just said before, these kids have no clue what they're getting themselves into. Like being an influencer is a full-time job. Like you have to influence, like you have to put content out there that actually moves people. And guess what guys, they don't care about you playing basketball. They want to know about the stuff that you do when you're not playing basketball. So you got to give up your life, which is again, a full-time job. So like, I don't think people really get that part of it. I think it's gonna be all one boy in the year. I think some guys are gonna make money and a lot of people aren't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Dan.
3: To that point, Rick, I saw a TikTok recently that one of our employees at Beyond showed me that went viral where it was like a college athlete basically saying that most college athletes, Instagrams are, go by a formula of picture of me and Drake quote. <laughs> of you playing your sport or a picture of you in a cool outfit and then you put a drake quote right and that's cool and you get followers but it's not engaging what jordan here does is what's going to make money you engage with your followers right. you can trust with your followers they listen to you they trust you they like you and then you can tell them hey i like this product or i like this restaurant that's how so if guys aren't willing to take the time everyone wants to be too cool for school right and they're not taking the time to engage with your audience and and, and build trust with your audience you're not going to be able to sell them on a product and and I think a lot of athletes that I've talked to are, are misinformed on how much money you can actually get for a social media post. If you have 10, 20, 50, 100,000 followers, they think the money's going to rain from the sky and it really doesn't work that way.
1: Jordan, real quick, this will actually go back to your question before. What have you had to sacrifice to be able to do this? Like, what have you given up at like, not basketball, like social, oh, like, what have you, you had
0: to give up? Are you talking about the the podcast in general? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that's the thing is I always tell people like, I don't play video games. Like that's my, like, so anytime people, because that's the common thing. And I've I've moved to a a point in my life where I don't read most comments, you know, unless I'm engaging with like different people or they're messaging me, I don't read a lot of stuff because it's like, Oh, he's always doing other stuff except for basketball. It's like, yeah, I don't stay in the gym for 24 hours a day, but the difference is the trade-off for me is different things like video games. Um, to get personal, my girlfriend is long distance. So, you know, I have time, you know and yeah. I'm not spending money on food all the time. So I have different ways to to focus my attention here. There's trade-offs.
1: And you're one of the few athletes that have actually built the following
0: before you started playing in college
1: because of like what you did growing up, right? Like you you were an internet sensation dribbling and stuff like that. So if one person can really relate, like you would really benefit from the, for this from this rule over the last four years, because you have a following, you know what I mean?
0: Potentially, what yeah. did that
1: take? Like, what did you have to sacrifice to get that?
0: Oh, man. I, I mean, yeah, a lot, a lot. I mean, simple answer. You, you sacrifice a lot. And, you know, going to, to Dan's point, uh, there's once you get to this level at the Division One level, everybody sacrificed something, some more than others, some more than others. Some are just more naturally gifted. Now, then it becomes now what separates you because you've all given something up to get here, you've all made sacrifices and worked your ass off. Now, what separates you in terms of this field, name, image, and likeness is, to Dan's point, how do you engage with people? Are you not too cool for school? Are you not, like, how do you separate yourself? I would tell athletes that are listening to this right now that do want to, you know, hey, I got time on my hands and I play Call of Duty for, knock my deodorant over. I play Call of Duty for, you know, four hours a day. I'm going to take all that out and put it towards socials, is how are you different than the next person? Like, what makes you unique? That's in pretty much anything. Yeah, and hopefully, go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: Hopefully, colleges. I mean, I predict they will are going to start hiring people on their athletic staff that are going to consult with players on how to build their social. And and everybody's different too. It's not like you know, with our company, Beyond Athlete Management, we have a whole department of people that make you know make highlight videos, YouTube channels, engaging content, like. For some guys, like we represent Mac McClung, he's the type of guy who likes to engage in content. He has a huge, he has 700,000 plus followers on Instagram. He really utilizes that department of our company. We have have other guys who don't even have social media who, yeah, they can make more money if they engage with it, but it's just not something they want in their life. So I think, you know, we as a company, as an agency, we have to have that department where if you want to grow your socials, you want to grow your brand, we have people to help you with it. And I think college athletic departments are all going to have to hire one, if not 10 people, full-time people to help with it. Because you could say, Jordan, for you, you could say, oh, you have to sacrifice your uh, video game time. You have to engage with your audience. But for you, it was intuitive. It was was, was natural. Social media is a language for you that you learned at a young age. For some guys, they don't, you know, in St. Mac, it was the same thing. He knows social media better than I know social media, but for some guys, they don't know that. You can't just tell an 18-year-old kid oh, you have to be engaging and give up video games because they, they don't know how to build a following. But, you know, there's like a company called Open Doors that I think has been reaching out to colleges and selling a program where they're going to start helping kids with that. And I'm sure uh, colleges are going to start, you know, uh, building those departments in, in-house or college athletes are going to get agencies like us that we're going to you know, take a cut of their, their their profits and help them build their socials.
1: Daniel, I have a question for you. What does an NBA team what kind of research they do on a kid's background before they draft them?
3: Oh my God, so much. It's funny when I, we do like, uh, all of our rookies, we do, uh, we have them go through a, uh, practice interview with the former GM before they go in interviews with teams. And then we let them go in cold. And then he gives them feedback on everything they did wrong. Number one thing I tell them though, afterwards is don't lie because the team already knows the answers. Yeah. Right. And the team says, have you ever smoked marijuana before? They know the last time you smoked marijuana. They know how many times you smoked, who you smoke with, what type of weed you like to smoke. They know everything about you, but they're trying to see if you're gonna to lie to them. These teams, I mean, some teams have smaller scouting departments, but like, there are certain teams that have 12, 15, 20 person scouting departments. And if they're really interested in drafting, investing millions of dollars in you, they're gonna find out everything about you. So, I mean, let alone, you know, who you follow on social media, what you post on social media, that's like the surface level. They're going to call people from your hometown. They're going to call your high school coach. They're going to call your high school teammates. The people to be aware of are the managers. Let me tell you, there's a trick NBA teams pull. They call the managers because managers want to be in with an NBA scout. They're like, wow, an NBA scout is calling me. He wants information. This might be a job opportunity. And they just talk. They just, they just let it spill. Anything that, any dirt, anything that the managers know about you, they're going to tell that NBA team because they want to get in good with that team. So that's like a trick. NBA teams have is use the managers to, to to squeal. So so beware of your managers. And they
1: and they hold that against you, right? Like any information they get, like
3: in a sense, yes, they make judgments also, by it. Also, everyone's got skeletons. So I think like there is a lot of things that are forgivable. A lot of teams aren't going to say, "Oh, you tried weed." You know, yeah. you are not going to get drafted. Like they they put everything. They consider everything, and yeah. some things are worse than others. But yeah, if 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 uh, if you have a lot of you know baggage and a lot of negative negative marks if you, you know if you had a bad relationship with your coach bad relations with your teammates if you aren't a hard worker I mean I remember talking to um, a college coach who's, who's a potential lottery pick and he told me that he's the fifth or sixth hardest worker on our team and he told that to, to, to NBA teams and that guy slipped in the draft so anything you don't want teams to know they're going to know um, and they're going to hold it against you if, if it's not not good.
1: Okay, so I'd like each one of you guys to do me a favor. I now I'm going to say influencer, and who comes to mind? Like, who's the most popular influencer that each one of you know?
3: Like, Go who ahead. would you
0: think online?
3: Go ahead, Dan. Jordan McCabe.
0: Okay. Hey, woo, Bryce Hall. That's I don't know why that came to my head. Okay, Bryce Hall, know. that's honestly, one. Go
3: ahead. Honestly, Dave Portnoy is probably the right He can make. This uh, who do you got, Dustin? Group.
2: If we're just talking broadly, not sports specific, I would say Kim Kardashian. There you go. And what do all of those people have in common? They all
1: have all drama,
2: nice.
1: right? They all have drama in their lives and they all like put it all over social media because that's why people are attracted to them, correct? So now let's put this in the athletic perspective. So, in order to really get popular and name, image, and likeness and really make money, you have to put things out there that are drama filled. And as an athletic department or as a coach, that's the worst thing that you want because Daniel, you just said it. That's going to hurt you from getting drafted. So at the end of the day, the thing that you're really good at, that's going to hurt you if you put that kind of stuff out there. Well, if you don't, you're not really popular. Right. So we just saw it at Wisconsin. They recorded Greg Gard's talk, and they put it out there public. And I give the kids a lot of credit for going and talking about that. I thought it was awesome. But, like, those kind of situations are going to become normal because that gets you more followers. In turn, that makes you more money.
3: Yeah, that's an interesting juxtaposition. It's like, is a team going to be more likely to want you because you have a big following that you're taking to that league or that team or less likely to want you because you have this big following and you're perceived as a distraction. And and, and I think with each organization, each league, it's going to be be different.
1: And Danny, you've been around enough really good players to know this, right? How many high-level college basketball coaches that have been doing this for a long time really want to have all of their practices, all of everything recorded? Like all these dudes would get fired if that, that all got out there
3: yeah no and it's totally, gonna have
1: to be for those dudes to make money
3: totally i can just imagine it now like the kids on instagram like yeah coach really laid into us today he really cursed out our point guard like you know that's the stuff that's gonna get viral but that's the stuff that's gonna get you kicked off the team it, it's a tough yeah i mean but that's a world that's a world we're living in now that nothing's a secret anymore
0: yeah that that is that is a really good point let's go through real quick and and just talk about your biggest like I, we're kind of on it right now. Your biggest worries and fears about what NLI could lead to because right now, especially as an athlete, you know, sitting in my apartment that potentially the rent could be just paid for through NIL, I'm all excited. like that's great. Then I can pocket more money, save and do all this stuff. What are the potential like downfall, the pitfalls of this in each of your respective arenas and dust? and let's start with you, uh, you know, being that you're attached to, to the um, attorney side.
2: Well, I think Dan had mentioned the the tax issue. You know, a lot of this is right. going to be 1099 work. So, you, so you're looking at a situation where money's going to be in your pocket that isn't yours, and and you know you're going to have to pay come come taxes, and you're going to have to pay um, perhaps multiple uh, state tax returns. Um, you know, if you're if you're you know putting on a camp in your hometown, and then you're away at school like you are, Jordan. I mean, it it, it could get very complicated. So I, I don't think it should be a situation where you're just you know, going into h Block to file your taxes, it's, it's very niched, I think. And that's, you know, from a legal side, that, that's what I saw. That's why I decided to go ahead and, and invest the time and cost into name image, likeness.com because I think the legal needs specific to college athletes are unique. They're not professionals. And I think, um, you know, the, the other part of it on that note is just that, you know, college sports in, in quote, professionalizing them, um, and, and the athletes having the opportunity to, to earn money, um, there, there's not going to be a focus on education. And I think that's, that's something that my firm has um, identified and, and you know, just back to what I mentioned on the Alston decision, I, I think we've got the ability to put education at perhaps not the center of it, but, but certainly on the table and, and make sure that um, you know, money-making opportunities don't become the sole focus. Right, This is still going to be college athletics. You're still going to have to perform um, and and take care of your body. Um, And and the academic side of it too is, is to me, very, very important. But I I do think that they can go hand in hand, the name, image, likeness, and education. It's been great to see some schools enact um, some sort of education around this. I think the University of Tennessee has a a special program now where you can earn credit hours um, for learning about name, image, likeness, building your brand, the tax issues legal issues that we're discussing right now um so so that that last piece that i mentioned that just you know the focus is all going to be about money and and not earning my degree uh because i can make money so that's really a fear that um you know the four years are going to be sought out as as peak earning and and not um used to benefit yourself and i i've seen a lot of uh 40 years, not four years. I think that's a good saying for name image likeness because if it's done right, it should be something that, that you you do um, to, to put yourself in a position to be successful for the rest of your life, not just in, during the college years.
0: No doubt. Dan, you're in?
2: Yeah, I mean, if we're going to be honest,
3: my biggest fear with this is something that's unavoidable and unfortunate. Like before I go into it, I'll say, I think that These laws being passed are the right thing to do. It's the fair thing to do. It's never been fair to stop college athletes from making money in their name, image, likeness. It's about time these laws were changed. And I'm thrilled that they're going to change because it's fair and these kids deserve it. However, it doesn't mean that it's perfect and there's going to be fallout. And there's going to be some kids that would have had great careers that are going to get a bunch of money at a young age and not not know what to do with it. I personally, if I was 18 years old and I got hundreds of thousands of dollars, I wouldn't, I, I, I might not be here today. I might have, you know, we call it a false finish line. A lot of times, I usually refer to it in the, in the pros as when you get drafted and you think you made it because you got drafted and then you stopped working and then you're out of the league in a year or two and there's some guy who was undrafted who ends up working harder and passing you up. Now guys are going to have false finish lines on NLA, N- NLI or LOY signing day, and they get to college, and they get their first few NIL checks. They're going to sell some NFT that's going to make them a hundred grand, and they're going to be like, "Wow, a hundred thousand dollars!" are they? Don't steal
1: get- my idea, bro. Don't steal my idea. It's a great idea, by the way.
3: Yeah, I mean <laughs> for sure. And and the, yeah, and, and and are you? If you have uh, you know a hundred thousand dollars, two hundred, three hundred thousand in the bank, and some coaches chewing you out, are you going to listen to them? Are you going to walk out of practice and say, "Screw you, I'm freaking rich"? And I think there's going to be those issues. And un- unfortunately, it's unavoidable. And yeah. it, this is the fair thing to do. It's the right thing to do, but it does not mean that it's a perfect system. And I think in addition to that, it also empowers a lot of shady people to um meddle in, in in this in this business. In our business, you know, the nba NFL agent business, there's a lot of shady people, street agents, hustlers, people that try to, you know, wiggle their way into deals and 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 you know and, and exploit or take advantage of young people. And now there's there's only 450 guys in the NBA. Well, now there's another, you know, five, you know, 5,000 college athletes that could, you know, potentially make uh, make money. And now there's going to be a lot of people, you know, lurking, trying to, to exploit that, take advantage of that and and maybe lead these players astray. So there's going to be, I think, an adjustment period until the dust settles where uh, it's not going to be perfect, but um, you know, this, this adjustment period needs to happen for us to get to the destination we need to go to.
0: Rick, you want
1: to Yeah, my, my, my biggest fear is that the NCAA puts university and players in positions not to be successful. So like at the end of the day where they're fundamentally flawed all the time is they come up with rules and regulations but they don't have the right people in the room to help make that decision. Like we literally just came up with things on this like call where like it's never been thought about before. And like that happened with a transfer portal. Like there's certain things that have never been thought about before. Well, like if you're a governing body How do you literally come up with decisions that have never been thought about before? Like, that's their job. So, like, to me as a coach, that's where people are really scared. You're putting guys in situations, whether it's players, student athletes, or coaches that have to, like, come up with the decisions, but there's no rules behind it. So you have to tell people yes or no, but you're not guided by anything. And that actually makes no sense, like whatsoever. Like nothing works that way. That's not how business works. So I think at the end of the day, like that's my biggest fear: is that players and universities are put in positions where things just haven't been thought through. And I totally agree. Like I think this needs to be done. I think it should be done. I think people should have the ability to make money off their name, image, and likeness. But like there has to be more than just that. There has to be a plan behind it, and the right people have to be in the room making the plan.
0: Yeah. No, I I completely agree, and I think you know, all those are, are really fair points. My biggest fear is that the main thing has to continue to be the main thing. Like, you know, for athletes that are listening, especially younger kids, uh, uh, whether they're in high school, middle school, uh, that are going to grow up and live in this new world of college athletics, where they can make money. Uh, let just, let's get one thing really, really straight. Uh, and if you don't have somebody telling you this already, you'll hear it eventually. If you in high school aren't putting up the numbers or, you know, putting in the work and the hours and the, you know, even give yourself an opportunity to play at the college level. And then once you get there, like Daniel said early, if you're not the top one, two, three guys, maybe on a team, your potential to even make any money off this stuff is null and void anyways. So don't even, don't even worry about it. Your best, your best chance is to keep the main thing as the main thing. And the main thing being whatever sport you are playing uh, at a collegiate level. Um, as soon as you slip, uh, and I'm, I'm worried and it's fun, like I just started journaling, okay? And, and I just throw all my thoughts down on the paper. Um, and last night I was sitting there and that's what I wrote. Uh, the main thing has to stay the main thing. Once this does pass, there's gonna be guys who get distracted. I mean, distractions are everywhere, but this is gonna be a big one. So for, for you to now have this open as a college athlete, the main thing has to be putting in the work to perform at the highest, otherwise your marketability is nothing. So it doesn't even matter at the end of the day. So that's a, a very important point because there seems to be a lot of delusion surrounding what this may may or may not look like. Um, so before, that, well ahead.
3: said, Jordan. Well said. And well said. And on that note, I think one thing I was just saying earlier we we're talking about. You know, I said like a ten thousand dollar post from Nike. Like people think that every NBA and NFL player has some massive shoe deal. The, the majority of nba and nfl players don't have paid shoe deals they have deals that give them a lot of free gear right that, that they have to pay taxes on and you know some have incentives where if you you know score a certain amount of points or whatever your touchdowns you get money but the majority of nba and nfl players aren't getting cash from these shoe companies so if they're not paying a detroit piston and they're just given free gear are they going to be paying you know the 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 sixth best player at the University of Detroit. Absolutely yeah. not. Uh,
1: so think about this. Normally, you a million a million followers, you'll get ten thousand dollars per million for a sponsorship deal, right?
0: What do you think the largest following
1: in the Big Ten? Is? Hold on, hold, is on the hold on.
0: Re- rewind on that. So what what is that? Is that like kind of a pretty known quote? What is it? That's pretty. That's pretty standard.
1: So if you have one if you have one million followers, if you post on Instagram, you get a ten thousand dollars for that post. That's okay. normally how you work deals. What do you? Who do you think has the largest following in the Big Ten? And how many followers do you think they have?
3: Come on, school wise or player wise?
1: Player wise, because it's individual, right? In the Big Ten, yeah, you're going to be shocked by
3: this. By the way, oh, I know Women's volleyball player at Nebraska. Who's that? Women's volleyball player at Nebraska.
1: What's what's your name?
3: I forgot. I saw this on Open Doors, one of their case studies. I, right?
1: I was going to say, this is so this is so this, it's from it's honestly, it's a post from Nebraska, ironically enough. So that's why you could be right. I don't know who this is. It's Frankie Collins, but how many followers do you think they have? 40,000. The mm. next closest person is Max Christie, who's a freshman at Michigan State with 25,000. You want to know what that equates to money wise and name, image, and likeness? Not shit. <laughs> like it means nothing. You don't get any money. Right. So, all like right. all these people think they're going to make all this money. It's like, no, you don't have enough followers. So, like, you need to go out and find a way to build your following, and you can't do that by being normal, right? You just can't. Don't don't try being normal because no one follows that,
0: right? Unless you get big enough. I mean, that, then the once they once you're at a point, um, hold on. Did, uh, Josh just j- just messaged me. Adrian Nunez does have a hundred and two thousand on on uh, Instagram, so that might be a semi. She's so,
1: but but it it is by no, it was the other day by
3: Nebraska. I promise.
0: You. So they, What's that?
3: Was Adrian Noon, yes,
0: okay. So, th- th- this is the thing right now. So, Adrian, uh, he, he's a friend of the show, he's been on, uh, him and his girlfriend have been like viral on TikTok for the past year since the pandemic. Uh, he plays at Michigan, and uh, his off the court stuff is just taken off. He, I mean, is he on
1: scholarship or no? I don't know.
0: He is, yeah, yeah, okay. no, Adrian's on scholarship. So, and- they
1: Nebraska is wrong, but it was there. I promise, I promise.
0: Well, Nebraska looked like Nebraska just wanted to throw a Cornhusker on the on the on the, sure. on the number one But spot even 102, here. but even that, yeah. that's still like,
1: yeah, it's still not a lot. Like,
3: yeah, and, and, yeah. and like nationally, that gets you nothing. Um, locally you could get something. It could be, again, the local car dealership has a promotion. They give you two grand to promote it. The local Buffalo Wild Wings has free wing night. They give you $1,500. But it goes
1: back to Dustin's point though. Like you're not gonna be able to do that because they're associated with the university.
3: True. Yeah, finding local businesses that aren't associated with the university, yeah. Uh,
0: and it's not a competitor of theirs. That's yeah, part it'll, of it. it'll be interesting. But I mean, once again, even if it is, you know, $500, to be honest, uh, I'm getting another one. So, Adrian has 1.5 million on TikTok. Uh, so, he's, I mean, his brand is is large so TikTok, enough TikTok. I don't make know about like,
1: damage. yeah. And, and I don't know what that like monetary structure is like. I have no equipment.
0: Yeah. I don't want to get shadow banned on Instagram, but in my mind, Instagram's kind of becoming the new Facebook and, and dying away slowly as TikTok just kind of takes over. Uh, but it, it's all going to be relative in terms of how much traction and when they run the numbers, who's buying what because of what. Um, but, uh, the, the one thing I did want Dustin, I'm going to run through five things real quick right now, and you're just going to give me a yes, no, or let's say, uh, can't answer. That's your other option. Uh, and then I'm just going to throw five things out there and you're just going to answer yes or no on whether or not they're in the bill to be passed. Is that all right?
2: Well, Jordan, I, I got to ask, though, I mean, when you say the bill, are, are we talking about a specific state law or, or or federal? Because there's a number let's, of them, as you know.
0: Okay, let's do Nevada. Being being a state that I'm in and then also that uh, I, I believe is in the, you know, six or eight, right, that are going to have a lot more freedoms.
2: So Nevada is one of 18 that has passed. Um, the governor signed the, the law into effect. But again, January 1, 2022 is the start day. So it's still six months away for Nevada.
0: Okay. I got you. When January 1, 2022 comes around, will athletes, is it proposed that athletes will be able to monetize their social accounts? So TikTok, you can join the creator fund and Instagram, you can run ads on IGTV. Is that specifically mentioned?
2: I I don't think there's any specific mention of that in in the bill, but it it essentially removes the restriction and I think that's important to, to you know frame there's been a lot of frame shifting by the NCA about what what robust rights and you know NIL opportunities we're going to grant. No, everyone has the right to their name image likeness. This is about removal of restrictions that pertain only to athletes.
0: So that that would what you just said would kind of pertain to monetization of socials, run ads on a podcast if somebody out there is running a podcast, I don't know anybody who is. Uh, and then three, uh, Twitch, the streaming service where people can come in and donate and talk to you and engage that way live. Those would all be different things that potentially will be part of this name, image, and likeness bill. Am I right in saying that?
2: Correct. Yeah, monetizing of all social media is is definitely um, part of of all bills. I, I think that that part is is um, not excluded anywhere.
0: Gotcha. Okay, and then personal merch is the other big one everybody's going to want to you know an adrian nunez him and carson his girlfriend have a huge brand like i said let's say they come out with whatever their merch line is is that something that is potentially also pertaining to name image and likeness that could be opened
2: yes but i would just reiterate dan's point with the, the school marks not being allowed there
0: yeah
1: that's where things are going to get shady by the way why is because that why, like why can't jordan go out and make a ten thousand dollar sweatshirt and put his logo on it and have donors buy it.
3: Well, as, as far as well, from what I've heard, is that that's part of why compliance is going to you're gonna have to run into compliance because they're going to be flagging anything that's out of the ordinary. But,
1: but what is that out of the
2: ordinary? I mean, from, exactly from a free right. market standpoint, I have thank to make this point. Free market, you are worth what someone's willing to pay you. And court of law, I, court of I, law, for example, says, there's fair market value requirement, but then there's no definition given for what is fair market value. So, who is determining that, right? What what body is going to say, this is fair market, but it, but this is not? And, it, and God forbid, that would be the schools.
1: Guys, this is a really important story I'm about to tell you. When I was coming up in coaching, as a coach, you always find ways to get around rules. You have to know the rules to get around them, right? So at summer camps, what we used to do is we would bring in AAU coaches and people that were influential in people's lives, and we would make them a uh, camp counselor slash, they would give a speech at camp. Well, guess what? There was no limit on how much you could pay them. You could pay whatever you wanted. If you want to give them twenty grand, you could. They could talk for three minutes, right? Then they had the um, games that they could come in and play exhibition games. You could pay them whatever you wanted. So my point is, is with name, image, and likeness, what universities are going to figure out, and I don't mean like the university, I mean the coaches within the university. What they're going to figure out is ways around this. Like, well, wait a minute. Like you just said, what is fair market value, if. Someone can go online and have a sweatshirt with $10,000 and there's people willing to buy it. That's the definition of fair market value. And the other thing that's so crazy about it is, guess what, this is a new industry. This is like cryptocurrency. So there is no standard. Every day it's new. We don't have 20 years of research behind it. So like the, the, the school that's gonna really come up on this is the person that figures it out the quickest. It's like, wait a minute, I can help these kids. I can have someone assigned to them from the business school give them a logo, have them make an LLC and go out and just do merch. And if my big time donors are willing to pay it, why not? And heaven forbid you do an NFT and some idiot's willing to spend $100,000 to like literally have, I signed a piece of paper. Well, why wouldn't you? And they're, guess what? If Coach Cal can figure out one and dones, someone's gonna figure that out real quick.
2: Yeah, and that's why I just don't think it's practical. I mean, how do you regulate what someone's willing to pay someone else and- um, Well, it's called know, illegal. it's new and and you you can't separate this from recruiting. I I think all of the discussion on this kind of has that principle in mind. How how do we keep this from being a recruiting inducement? I don't know how it's practically possible.
0: If, If there's no blanket, if there is no blanket, everybody's at the same level, which is what the, I think, original purpose of amateurism was and that word that the NCAA just kind of pulled out of their, you know, what that was to just keep everything level. Now we're in a different time. It made sense or maybe it made more sense when there wasn't social media at the point it is right now in today's world. But now the, the adaptation has to be, I would assume the NCAA to maintain order and control, which let's be honest is what they want (laughs) has to be a blanket 50 state rule. Like I, I, and Dustin, is that, Is that being talked about or is at this point they're just like, I don't know, you know, California, do what you want, Arizona, do what you want, because then it's obvious everybody who has any, you know, brain cells can tell you that recruits are going to lean more towards that school, even if they don't win as much, they don't do this or that. And, you know, it might not be the best fit. Well, it's like, hey, I haven't made money my whole life. And now I'm 18 and you're saying I can potentially make whatever my coaches are saying I can make like as a recruiting pitch. Is there something where the NCAA's working on a blanket statement or no
2: my understanding is mark emmert has today just before our call here has has made an announcement that he intends to have a temporary national nil right granted to all ncaa athletes effective july 1. thank
0: you mark i I, great i love it
2: but then the question is if you're an athlete in a state where there's a law that's passed Right. Do I do I look at the rules of the laws? In my book as an attorney, Laws Trump Rules.
0: Law School 101 right there. I learned so much on this call. Guys, anything else? Any parting thoughts that you that you're, you know, burning, holding on to that you want to get out there? Or are you good? Good to go. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for jumping on. Uh, for those that are listening, uh, we just want to once again premise. Um, A, uh, nobody in this call. Uh, whether it's uh, Dan Poneman, which I messed up your name in the beginning, I'll redo the intro, uh, or Dustin has any uh, sort of management or, you know, pursuit in myself as an NCAA college athlete, we're covering all our bases. This was just an educational and freeform conversation that we wanted to have surrounding name, image, and likeness with a lot of people who have a lot of different ties to it. So um, with that being said, uh, thank you guys so much for jumping on. And uh, hopefully we can get you guys on uh, again soon. Um, and hopefully Matt gets drafted, Dan. I'm I'm excited. I, I can't wait. He
3: killed it at the Julie Combine, didn't he?
0: He did. He did. I knew he would. It's good stuff. I love it. Awesome. All right. Peace, everybody. Thanks, all right, guys. That's it. Thanks, that's guys. Right that was fun. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Nice to meet you, uh, Dustin, Rick, Dan. You guys are the man, uh, men. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Have a good one, guys.